All right, let's sync audio. Uh, let's do same numbers as last time. Does everybody remember their number? Yes, I'm four. Okay. <laughs> Are you sure, Mitchell? Yes, I am, what's right? That, what's your, I'm four? What's your Mitchell, number, four and ten. <laughs> right? Wait. I know why okay, you said eight, because there's six of us, so you do four plus six. Oh, my God. I don't know who I am anymore. Look at Occam with this math. Always with the math with Occam. Right. Am I wrong? You're not wrong. That's the amazing thing. He didn't accuse you of being wrong. He just accused you of being a dork. (laughs) (laughs) Got him. (laughs) Yeah, I did. I'm sorry I'm smart. Hey, we love you for (laughs) it. Sorry, I got a big break, guys. Hello, friends. This is Phil Montgomery, and you're listening to Tales to Inspire. President Truman has given the heroes a new assignment. Assassinate the Emperor of Japan. How will the heroes respond to this mission? Is a hero's job to express violence? Or is a hero's job to save lives? One thing is for certain. There will be strong opinions. As we open this issue of Tales to Inspire, we see the interior of the Oval Office... And in the top left corner of the panel, we see a yellow box that says, The White House, August 1945. And then in the next panel, we see a dossier has been splayed out on the president's desk. And we see a picture of Emperor Hirohito. We see a map of Japan with little red dots on it. All of these things. And we see the word bubble coming from President Truman saying, I want you to assassinate Emperor Hirohito. I'm going to look at the kid briefly. Her eyes are really big. Um, with all due respect, Mr. President, we are not assassins. We're... We're not a team of killers you can just point at a target. Right, most of the people we kill are just, like, on accident? Well, isn't that what you all did with Adolf Hitler? Yeah. How about this? We'll kill this emperor. Or at least some of us will. Um, But the Manhattan Project stopped. His eyes go wide. And he stands up immediately from his desk. How do you know about 
The Manhattan Project. I read. That is classified information. Do you want us to kill the Emperor or not? I don't. Do you want some of us to kill the Emperor or not? We shouldn't even be having this conversation. Sure, Adolf Hitler died. That's something that happened. It's not what we came to do. It's it's not who we are. And now you, you want us to go kill someone else? As if things like that don't have repercussions in this world? This is war. People are going to die. It is the leadership. And it's a hero's job to stop people from dying. Hero is a fanfic concept. There are no heroes. There are just people. And we are just people. And whatever forgetful, delusionary world that you live in, but here in life, I'm here. I'm doing my best. You're not a hero. You're just a person. You're not special. You're not unique. You have power. That's it. But there have been lots of men with power. The Emperor has more power than you do. What does it mean that I could walk up to the Emperor today and I could snap his neck? That means you have the responsibility to snap his neck if it means we can end this. I have a responsibility to everyone else in this room. To be the best person that I can be. To be the best example of how we should be living. That is the best person you'll ever be. A killer? Yes. You are so wrong. But it's what you are. You've been wrong about everything. Killing Hitler. This whole no heroes thing. You're just so wrong. You helped kill Hitler. That that happened. You'll I, kill I had more. nothing to do with it. I, I wasn't even in the building. I've never seen Hitler. You have killed so many people. Who have I killed? We were in war. Did you not kill anyone? Did you not punch anyone? Did you not do violence on anyone? Violence is one thing. Putting a gun to someone's head and willfully pulling the trigger is another entirely. I, I think maybe you should stop reading fiction and either join humanity in the struggles that we have in the trenches. Don't, don't talk to me about humanity. Why not? You don't, you don't know what it means. Milk. Omission. Milk. Omission. Unless you want me. Go outside. Using your name. Out and Go outside. You do not speak for this team. I did not speak for this team. I said some of us... You are currently... Some of us would be willing to do it. That is what I'm telling the president. And these are my terms. Some of us are willing to save thousands. If it means the Manhattan Project ends, something that has only been possible because someone in this room was foolish enough to allow their research out and about and then to be used for horrific man-slaughtering ends. 
If this is what your idea of this team is, then I do not want you to be a part of it. Dr. Fusion leaves the room. He walks out. Goodbye, Fusion. Uh, Gwen walks up behind Torch and just kind of puts a calming hand on his shoulder and she's staring straight at Omission. I don't want to just be anybody. I don't want to just be someone that's willing to kill. I want to be someone that can make those decisions for the best. I don't want to kill this person. I don't want to kill anybody else. If he gives me a reason to, sure. If it makes more sense to save the rest that are innocent, yes. I think that's what it'll take. Don't put your guilt on the rest of this team. I don't have guilt. I disagree, honey. I do what I have to in order to save people. That's it. Uh, Crystal Gazer has turned to the president and says, I'm sorry, Mr. President. We're fighting like children because our friend Omission over here, the only thing he's got in his life is his believed moral superiority over the rest of us. We should be a better team, a team that doesn't fight. Unfortunately, we all can't agree on everything, even the best of us. And she looks over at Torch. We all can't be actresses making money, I guess. Is that an insult? That I did something with my life omission? Because, yeah, people forget you, but it's probably for the best, huh? It is. Tell us why no, you need right, it. Real, hold on. Real real quick, check in. Just player check in. How's everybody <laughs> doing? It's really <laughs> Is everybody okay? Love you, Mitch. I think we knew it would be intense. Okay. Yeah. We got bonds to yeah, break. Let, okay. Oh, my God. That's... <laughs> we got, okay. Uh, we all love Mitchell here. Talk about inner party combat. I know. It'd be like, President, okay. can you give us five minutes? Leave this office real quick. President, step out of this office real quick. Okay, okay. So, all right. Just, I just wanted to check in. Because it was getting tense and I'm sweating. I don't know if it's a Texas heater this episode, but I just wanted to check. Uh, Jeez. It's because uh, we're hot. Because uh, we're hot. That's right. Crystal, Crystal turns to the back to the president and says, I think... Do I think we're assassins? I don't think so. But, Mr. President, you had a point, And if we're going to hear anybody's point, it's going to be the leader of the free nation. I, uh, I appreciate that, uh, Crystal Geyser. Uh, this was my thinking. Before, when ye went to Germany and killed Hitler, uh, it, it was without our permission. It was without our planning. Uh, and in the vacuum of power, the Nazi party took over, uh, and we started to make advances. Uh, however, then the Wehrmacht took over the defenses and... Now we are at a stalemate. My thinking is, if we had worked together, we could have moved that night our offensive into Europe while the civil war was going on. My plan is to coordinate with you all, to kill the emperor, and then move our forces onto the islands of Japan and take it over swiftly, cleanly, and hopefully with as little loss of life as possible. When I 
swore my oath to become president, I became aware of a project that could have brought an end to this war. But a few months ago, it was sabotaged. This is our best option. And you're willing to put down on paper that you will not reactivate the Manhattan Project if we do this, if this happens. If some of us do this. Before he responds to Omission's question, can I tap into his mind again? We're about to commit treason again, just like we <laughs> okay. did in that first episode. Just like in episode one, we committing treason. No president uh, is Tales safe. of treason. <laughs> no president in safe. Get those tinfoils hats. Um, yeah, go ahead and roll and examine. Roll plus investigate. So I can see if his response that he gives to Omission is true mm. and mm. honest. That's what Ooh, I want to know. Yes. Is he really going to yes. stop this? Is he really going to try his best to stop yeah. this? Because we all know. He may have absolutely no power to stop this. Yeah. Uh, it's I rolled a 10. Okay, so on a 10 plus, you get to ask me one question. So I um, am going to ask the question, is this response that he is about to give, is it honest? Is he really going it to... It is not honest. <laughs> it's not honest. And what he says is, if it will bring an end to this war, I will personally sign the end of the Manhattan Project. Deal. So are we in agreement? I have also learned of your uh, experimental vessel, the Deep Sea Dame. It could have you to Japan quicker than anything in our fleet. And I'll send the order to Admiral Nimitz and General MacArthur immediately. I think the only one you got in agreement with is omission here. And me. And you turn around and you see that Masterpiece Fuck has walked off. into the room. Okay. You're both in relationships now. <laughs> We're about to be in one. It's in a polycule with Mr. P. <laughs> We're going to a poly. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Masterpiece walks into the room and walks up next to the desk and clicks his boots together, stands tall with his puff, chest out, and salutes the president. President, I'm sorry I was late. There was a bit of a disturbance in Burma. I got here as quick as I could. Yes, sir. I mean, sorry. <laughs> Crystal, <laughs> like, elbows her <laughs> as soon as she says it. <laughs> elbows. Yeah. Um, yeah, the president speaks. Yes, I I had asked Masterpiece to join us in this mission uh, after I had learned that one of the superheroes was, and he turns to Sister Solstice, not of age to engage in something like this. Uh, young one, I will have to ask you to leave the room. This is not a discussion for you. I'm not leaving. I have just as much a part of this team as everybody else in this she room. She killed Hitler. I understand that. Ah. Do you, though? Because I don't think that you do. Listen, young lady, I am the President of the United States. I am asking as your executive officer to leave this establishment. You are not a part of this team. I am, I am a part of this team. I have proven myself. I have proven my worth to this team. You cannot kick me out he like scoots over the documents that we saw on the first episode and he opens it up and says 
This is who was asked to join this team by Franklin, and it is Mother Midnight, your mom. You were never a member of this team. You disguised yourself as one of them. And successfully killed Hitler. I understand that, ma'am, but I cannot willingly put your life in danger. Okay, you don't have any power over my life. I can willingly put my life in danger if I so choose. And she will. Masterpiece speaks up. Do you want her removed from the office, sir? And President Truman holds up a hand. Just hold on, Tom. Young lady, it would be in your best interest to leave so that we may continue this classified meeting. I'm not leaving. Yeah, if you kick her out, I'm out too. She has the spirit to carry this through the end, um, especially when others can sometimes question things at the end. She'll pull the trigger when it needs to happen. Gwen takes a step in front of uh, Sister Solstice, so she's between the president and her. Sir, respectfully, you're asking us to assassinate someone that we neither know nor care about. I don't know anything he's done in his life other than lead Japan. He gave the order that bombed Pearl Harbor. Is that not enough for you? The dead citizens laying on the bottom of the Pacific Ocean? The point is, is you're asking us to kill him. Asking someone to kill someone for you and then not being okay with asking a child to help? Feels a little wonky to me. You can't have a moral high ground when you're asking other people to do this. She's already been through shit with us once, she'll do it again. And we'll keep her safe, right? Uh, Christy, I would like for you to roll a... Influence someone. (laughs) Okay. So, roll plus influence. Seven. A seven. Okay, so for EIC characters on a seven through nine, they need something more. Evidence that this is the right course, guidance in making the right choice, or resources to aid them before they act. <laughs> Can I burn a bond with either public opinion or law, or law enforcement and uh, subtly threaten the president? <laughs> uh, how so? I'm just going to kind of like put a hand on on his desk and lean forward and be like, you know, it's really cute that you think you have any control over this group of superheroes. We're giving you that benefit of the doubt right now. So I suggest kindly that you just let us do what we need to do. Okay. And you're wanting to burn a bond with law enforcement to step your seven through nine up to a 10? Yeah. Just told the president of the United States he has no control over us. Have you ever heard of Guantanamo Bay? It's <laughs> not a thing yet, is it? Try to get a hold of us. Try it. <laughs> do, do it. Okay, so you. Okay, so you say that steps up to a ten plus. So very well. He sits back down in his seat. The girl will be permitted to be in the room where it happened. Char. Well then, I know that Omission and Masterpiece are along for the mission. 
What about the rest of you? Are you, are you sure there's no other way that this could be handled? Can we take him into custody? Is there anything else we can do besides blatantly murdering the world power? He sits back and nods his chin, tapping it. Perhaps. Taking him into custody and leveraging his godhood with the people of Japan and the military cabinet could bring about a surrender earlier. Is that an option you're willing to explore? At this point, I am willing to explore all options because, quite frankly, they're running out. If we can do this, if we can find a better way, then I'm in. He turns to Geiger Gwyn and Sister Solstice and Crystal Gazer. I'm there to help anybody who needs the help. I'm not leaving my team. Oh... Sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do. I'm in. Very well. Uh, Sergeant Richter, could you bring in um, Dr. Fusion? And Hives kind of was in the back of the room and he nods his head and he opens the door to the Oval Office and steps out. Uh, Where's Dr. Fusion? I think he's just pacing in the hall. Uh, You see the door open and Hive steps out into the hallway. They've all agreed to it, haven't they? Yes, they have. I know Grant will do everything in his power to make sure that all other options are exhausted before such an action is undertaken. Omission, though. Henry, I don't know how to handle him. I... I couldn't even begin to tell you how to do your job, Dr. Fusion. Um, I'm just a soldier that did some work in Central America and got a few medals for it. I don't know. I suppose I cannot leave the team. We've come too far. And I think they'll need you. He walks back in. Okay. Uh, Truman looks down the the Oval Office at you walking in the door. Dr. Fusion, can we rely on you for this mission? I will be there to make sure that what is right to happen, happens. Very well. He, uh, starts digging around and he starts pulling out, like, contracts from the dossier. Uh, and as he's doing that, the door... Uh, is kicked open and like an, an attendant runs in. He runs in and like sees all of you standing there and he's kind of breathless. <sighs> uh, uh, Mr. President. Uh, yes, what is it? We just got a call from the Coast Guard. Uh, there's a plane heading for New York. We think it's a German bomber. A German bomber, but there's no... How? I, I'm, not, I'm not sure, sir. But it, it's closing in quickly. I... We didn't catch it in the Pacific, and now now it's just moments away from New York. And Truman sits back and... I... And just, like, runs his hand through his hair. There's no way we could scramble jets in that amount of time. Torchbearer will take off. (laughs) And 
torch, I think, as you take out the window and you start rushing towards New York, you feel something in the pit of your stomach begin to churn. A sense of uneasiness. Growing dread. A darkness. We turn back into the White House, and as soon as Torchbearer has, you know, rushed out of the room and taken off, uh, there's an explosion. It rattles the windows. The president grabs his desk, grip hold of it. Uh, even uh, Hives is like knocked from his feet against the wall. What do you do? I am feeling out for the. Um direction it came from based on people's thoughts so like looking for it Mm. based on like what direction are people thinking panic like that they're they saw it or whatever yes yeah and uh i don't i don't have you roll for that the sense of panic is overwhelming you you sense the panic coming from pennsylvania avenue working its way toward the front lawn of the white house it's coming this way It's the darkness. I think in the meantime, like, we can assume Torchbearer, like, as soon as he starts feeling this dread, he's like, he's like slows to a stop. And then this explosion Uh just rattles, like, reverberates the air and just pushes him a little bit further. And he'll rise up above the White House to look back towards Pennsylvania Avenue to see what's happened. Yeah, simultaneously, yeah. Crystal Gazer's running out towards the front to, like, see yeah. what's happening, like, to the lawn. Hello, friends, and welcome to Season 1, Episode 27 of Tales to Inspire. I'm your host, David White, and welcome to the mid-roll. We have some housekeeping things to take care of before we get back to the episode proper, so let's get into it. Uh, first week of school is down for me. You know, we're back at school with these these hoodlums, these hellions, these children, as we call them, our students, and uh, it's actually been a very good first week. I'm looking forward to the rest of the school year, getting to know these kids a little bit better, and, uh, you know, just teaching them about reading and the wonders and the joys of a good story and how to make good stories themselves. And I hope that you had a good week this past week. Whatever walk of life you're in, whatever job you're working at, whatever you are doing, I hope that it was a good week for you. And I hope that this is bringing you some sort of enjoyment, this being this episode, not just me talking. Although, if me talking brings you enjoyment, that's great. But I'm talking about the show in general. I hope this show is bringing you lots of joy as well. Well, you know, I've been saying it for a while now, we are trying to get back to our $400 a month goal so we can sustainably pay our performers $5 for every hour that we spend recording. We are currently recording season two. We just recorded episodes three and four. Is that right? Three and four? No, four and five 
two days ago, and they were great. The cast of characters we are going to have in Season 2 is truly phenomenal, and the uh, characters, the people that we have playing these characters are great at their craft, and I cannot wait for you to get to listen to Season 2. But while we're recording Season 2, I would love to pay our performers for the awesome work that they are doing on Season 2. So if you like our show, please help us get back to $400 a month. We are currently sitting at 26 patrons who are all generously giving $266 a month. So we need a little bit over $100. What is that? $133? $134 to get to $400 a month. And if you can contribute to that in any way, we would appreciate it so, so much. And as an added incentive, once we get to $400 a month, to celebrate, Tessa and Carrie are going to come back to record a misconceptions story. That's right. We're going to get back into the city. Esther and Faye are going to come back, and they're going to continue the story of what happens after the fall of Drace DeSantos and Legendary Solutions. And um, I, I would love to record this, but really and truly, we literally cannot afford to record this if we are not at $400 a month. So if you would like to see that cool story, I know I would. Please help us out by giving any amount. It would really, really help us out. And, you know, you also get all these cool things if you go to our Patreon. If you pledge at least $5 a month, you will get access to episodes of Season 2 before anyone else but you will also get access to The Gajuliat, the greatest Justice League Unlimited episode of all time, where Phil and I, Phil, the player who plays Torchbearer, sit down and we discuss two Justice League Unlimited episodes, and we talk about which one is better, you know, which one is more worthy of being crowned The Gajuliat. And also, just starting this month, uh, we are doing kind of a Rift Tracks, Mystery Science 3000, Game Grumps kind of thing, where myself and Carrie and Tessa and Tessa's husband, Gian, sit down and watch a bad movie, and we record ourselves reacting to it. And earlier this month, we released our reaction video to Twilight... And I'm sad to say that we sat down and watched New Moon as well and recorded our reaction to that. So if you love making fun of movies, if you love kind of like the commentary, the director's cut commentary playing in the background of a movie, well, the We Watch series that is going on our Patreon is perfect for you. And our New Moon reaction video is going to go up on September 1st. So if you give $5 and up you will get access to both of those, all of that exclusive audio. And you know, I want to take a break right now, and I want to thank our new patrons. We have the Unchosen Dead. Unchosen Dead, thank you so much for supporting our podcast. And you know what? I choose you, Zombie Chew. Whatever. I choose you. You're, you're cool, Unchosen Dead. If no one else is choosing you, if you're still Unchosen, I choose you. And welcoming back Waddle Squad. Waddle Squad, a patron from our Misconceptions era. Thank you for coming back. Thank you for re-pledging and helping to re-support this podcast. It means so, so much to see your Waddle D looking face back on our Patreon feed. 
And lastly, but not leastly, we have Mr. T. Although Mr. T is spelled M-R-T-3-A, so maybe it's not Mr. T, maybe it's Mr. T-3-A. Well, Mr. T-3-A, thank you so much for supporting us, and we thank you so much for trying to help us. We thank all of our patrons, past, future, and present, for helping us get to our $400 a month goal, for helping us to create this show that we make, this nerdy thing that we do. We appreciate your support so much. And I said earlier, the first 10 people who increase their pledges or make a new pledge will get a Misconceptions or Sins of the Father shirt, your choice, mailed to you. So Unchosen Dead, Waddle Squad, and Mr. T3A, you are going to be getting a Misconceptions, Sins of the Father shirt. Very soon, I'll send you a message about uh, what your shirt size is, address, all of that. But if you would like one of the remaining seven free t-shirts shipped to you, go to our patron, give any amount to really help us out. The $5 is really, really sweet spot. It's affordable. It goes a long way, and it would really, really help us out. Well, that is enough out of me. Let's get back to the episode, and I hope that you enjoy our pin ultimate episode of season one of Tales to Inspire. Okay, so you you rush out. Um, who runs out with Crystal Gazer? Where, where's everybody going? Doc's like ahead of her because he's burst booting, just speeding yeah. out. Gwen yeah. grabs uh, Sister Solstice's hand and takes off. And uh, Masterpiece like wraps his huge muscly arm around the president's head and said, "Go on, Mr. President, I'll get you to safety." And then he like jumps through the window. <laughs> Uh, with the president cradled in his arms. And there's a swooning laugh track in the background of women just going, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Swoon! Huh. Uh, okay, so, those of you that rushed out to the lawn, uh, you see Pennsylvania Avenue right in front of you. The cars lining the streets, those brick buildings stretching on in front of you, and you see just gouts of flame and smoke rising into the air. You see, coming through the smoke, you see another explosion that rocks the house, uh, crumbling it down to the street level. Towards that point, you start to rise up over the White House to see what is going on, what is crumbling, what is clawing its way down Pennsylvania Avenue, and you see a void. Your eyesight cannot pierce through the darkness, but you see this void arms coming out of tendrils, uh, the peripheries of claws and eyes and jagged teeth coiled up in this miasma of darkness, walking its way up the street. And then, down at ground level, through the smoke, we see step Theodore the Tussler Tuskman. (gasps) Shrouded in darkness. He is still wearing the fine suit that he was wearing at the university, but he no longer fills it as he once did. His eyes are sunken into his head, his cheekbones withered away. His muscular heavyweight boxing championship body is scrawny and puny. 
as the darkness has been eating away at him for these past few weeks. But it comes to the intersection of Pennsylvania Avenue and the White House. You standing on the green lawn. It standing on the cement. I sensed that you would be here. I was drawn to the darkness in this place. I hunger for it. It calls to me. And you see the thing that was Theodore the Tussler Tussman like reach out a bony, gnarled hand towards the doctor. Dr. Fusion, do you still have that mask on your person? Yeah. You feel it bulge against, like it is being pulled uh, against the fabric of your shirt and you start feeling yourself skidding across the lawn towards. Uh, is anyone going to try to save the doctor? I'm occupied or I shoot him in the kneecap. Damn. <laughs> That's not going to help me at all. <laughs> you can't be dragged if you have no knees. That makes you get dragged easier. <laughs> uh, I can move large objects, so I can hold a large object from being pulled. Okay, so if Crystal tries to hold him, then Gwen's going to race up and put her hands in his pants to grab the mask. It's not in his pants. It's in his jacket pocket. Jeez. <laughs> that one, that pocket. <laughs> Uh, Crystal Gazer, you reach out that blue spectral energy flying out from your hand. It radiates around the doctor, and he is stuck there, but you can still see that the imprint of the mask bulging against his chest uh, against the fabric. Uh, Gwen, you rush forward, and you try to grab it. Yeah, so as I'm I'm trying to, like, rip it out of his jacket, and... Okay. Uh, Gwen, I would like for you to roll a seize control against the Harbinger. Oh. So, seven. Seven. Okay, so you seize control over what was contested, contested, but your opponent attacks you in retaliation. You enter into an action scene. Uh, or you seize control over what was contested, but the effort exhausts you. Mark a condition. I have a feeling that as soon as he sees me rip it out of your jacket, he's going to retaliate. So, I'm going to rip it out and kind of just like hold it to my chest so you get sucked toward it into instead of I do, instead of me now. Yeah, that's yeah. Okay, so you're going to enter into a combat exchange with Armager. Okay, sure, sure. You rip it out, and you can already feel it pulling you, the momentum pulling you, and you cradle against your chest, and you are flung towards him, skidding to a halt at the cement at his feet, uh, and the hollowed-out eyes of Theodore the Tussler Tussman looks down at you, but there's no recognition on its face. He says, That belongs to me. And he reaches up a hand and like this miasma of darkness is all around him. And like 20 feet up, you see this giant claw start to extend out of the miasma. These uh, sharp appendages growing on the fingers ready to rake across your body. And I think now we enter into a combat exchange. So, um, I'm choosing what the Harbinger is going to do. Mm-hmm. We're all part of this, right? Uh, yes. However, uh, 
if y'all want to get to where uh, the Harbinger is, you will have to use a seize the seize the position because he is far away from everybody else. All right. Well, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. Advance and attack. I think everybody that isn't like right there has to evade and observe. To oh, can attack. I shoot like with a gun? That's that's all I have is a gun. If <laughs> if you have if you have narrative range, you could do that. Yeah, like uh, he would just pull out a gun uh, and just start popping off. Can I attempt to grab the mask? To get it further away from him? Uh, so many of us have, like, semi-ranged abilities, so... <laughs> I, would, I would say that if you wanted to grab that mask, Marlo, uh, it would be a seize the position. Okay. But, but like... Okay, so let's do it like this. So, Geiger Gwyn is entering into a combat exchange with the Harbinger. Yeah. I guess everybody who would, like, be participating in this, like, Uh to defend or move closer or fight against it will take part in this. Mm -hmm. But, like, I would say that if you are, like, with Marlo, I think you would roll after the combat exchange to do, like, get the mask. Like a common move. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um... Okay, so, uh, who who all chose what? Defend and maneuver. Advance and attack. Okay. Evade and observe. Defend and maneuver. I think I actually will evade and observe, though. Okay. Um, Harbinger is choosing to advance and attack. Um, so, who chose defend and maneuver? I did. Okay, so go ahead and roll 2d6 plus your protect. I rolled a... Five. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. So, uh, what what happens as you're not able to execute your plan? Um. So I think I'm just frozen because I'm realizing that this is the vision like happening already, mm-hmm. and we haven't like come up with a plan. And Torchbearer just flew off away from where we are, and so mm-hmm. like my mind is going like a thousand miles an hour, and I'm just all over the place. And so I'm going to like I'm like okay. I'm going to hold my own, like, I'm going to just ready myself for whatever it is that I need to do, and then I, like, trip over my own two. <laughs> okay. All right. And then moving to advance and attack, who chose that? Well, I, I had defend and maneuver also. Oh, sorry, Christy. Uh, I rolled an eight. Okay. So you get to choose one. Mine was going to be retaliate. Uh my my goal was to just make it super freaking difficult for him to get this mask from me. Okay. So you are going to steal yourself for their blows, and when they deal stress or conditioning you, you deal one stress on them. Yep, exactly. Like, whatever. I, okay. I just wanted... Gwen's a tough bitch, so I just <laughs> wanted you to hold out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, now to advance an attack. I got... I got an eight. And eight. You get to choose one. Um no, I'll strike. Um I'll pull out um a gun. Um it's probably like a German uh submachine gun or something like that and you start laying off. Cigarette okay. and mouth and everything like 
Yeah, so you just kick out one of the windows in the Oval Office and just start taking shots. Yeah, like my my like leg is on top of the president's desk. Hell <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so are you going to stress, or are you going to mark one stress to force him to mark a condition or two stress, or do you want him to? Choose? Uh, no, nah, I'm gonna mark a stress. Uh, so uh, yeah, do a condition, and I will mark a stress. Blah, blah. Okay. Okay. Uh, and Harbinger, uh, with that claw is going to come down on top of Geiger Gwen. Uh, Geiger Gwen, he is going to mark one stress to force you to mark a condition as this, like, these claws just serrate across you as it's trying to scrape that mask out of your grasp. And then because you chose retaliate, he will take a stress. Yes. Okay, so how, how do you retaliate as he, like, sweeps his claw across you? Um, as he's swiping it across me, you see my hand kind of throwing the mask up in the air towards where mm-hmm. I saw a torch flying. Mm-hmm. And so, like, <laughs> I hit the blow, and as that's happening, I kind of just spit blood out of my mouth. I'm like... <sighs> Too slow, boss. And then over to evade and observe. You're gonna go for it. Okay. Evading is 2d6 plus investigate. An 8. An 8, so choose 1. Move to a new location. <laughs> okay, please describe how. You see, as soon as she throws up the, the mask, Torchbearer zooms in, burning brighter than he's ever burned just almost like blinding as he just zooms in to take the mask like floating just above her and then Dr. Fusion yeah so we're doing defending her doctor we're doing plus investigate ooh baby 14 nice Wow. Okay, so choose two from the evaded observe option. Okay, so we're going to seize a position so I can get there. Mm-hmm. Unless they're going to mark a stress to block me. Uh, no, he'll let you get up there. Okay, so I get to win. Um, and you just see his burst boots kind of go into overdrive. He's like leaving small freighters as he's just speeding towards her. Gwen, you see Doc just zoom in front of you. And as he passes in front of you, he just kind of grabs you on the shoulder and you feel an energy you've felt before. And I'm going to bolster you using my power surge ability that I got during our solo episodes um, to grant you empowered. Yeah. So uh, if you don't remember what that is, Christy, at the end of every action scene or combat exchange, uh, you get to clear one stress. Nice. So you feel that surge in your ability um, that you did before. As he does that, Gwen just kind of like winks at him. She's like, sorry I ever blamed you. It was your fault, but we're past that. (laughs) (laughs) And Marlo, after that whole scene is done, you said you wanted to grab the mask? Well, not anymore. Okay. What do you want to do now? I don't know. Because you didn't get, you didn't act during, I kind of didn't allow you to act during that combat exchange, so what do you want to do? Um, she, basically what she says, she says, Torch, you gotta get that thing as far away from him as possible. Alright, and, uh, so you, all this happens, you rush in, grab the mask, 
you're hovering there in front of it and the harbinger or the tussler looks up at you and he starts to levitate off the ground so like that he's even with you it has been many years since I've seen your face since you locked me away but now I am free and I am hungry and I will finally diminish your light but this form grows weak I require another and I would like to activate a custom move that I came up with called the heart of darkness oh no uh, and so what we're going to do is I will have you, uh, I'm going to read out some questions, and I want you to answer them yes or no. Let's get the, t- the fuck just up. Keep a, just keep a tally. The fuck up, George Barron. <laughs> just keep a tally. On, on I'm so side. excited. Uh, yeah, so I'll, I'm going to read through. You don't have to verbally answer them. Gotcha. Just keep a tally of which ones you say yes to. Okay. Have you ever killed another person? Would you kill again? Do you relish violence? Do you keep a harmful secret from those close to you? Do you harbor hatred for another in your heart? Uh, I would like for each of you uh, to tell me uh, how many questions you answered yes. Two. Three. I said three. One. Two. Five? We know. <laughs> we all, we've been new. <laughs> I would like for you all to roll plus the questions you answered yes. So take 2d6 and add that number you did. Oh, yeah, I'm going to win. Okay. Oh, no. 10. I feel like winning is bad in this context. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> nine. Okay. Crystal Gazer has a nine. Seven. Dr. Fusion is seven. Eight. Gagger Gwen is eight. Nine. Omission is a nine. Yeah, nine. Nine as well. Torchbearer is a nine. Sister Solstice rolled the highest. <laughs> what Sister Solstice roll? Ten. Oh. You have a ten? Yeah. Okay. Good job, sister. So, uh... Because Esther always rolls the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> so... Every time. Uh, you see, like the eyes that were Timothy Tussman's like kind of sink further into his head, this void kind of issuing out of the sockets there as this entity regards you all. And it looks over you and you feel the sins of your past, the hatred in your heart, the blood on your hands. You can physically feel it on your person whenever this creature looks at you. And then it lands on Sister Solstice. Ah, another echo of creation. You hold nature in your power. I would have that for myself. And you see, like, so many tendrils, the darkness detaches itself from Tusman's body. It falls ten feet to the ground with a sickening crunch. It has been dead for weeks. And then 
gathering itself, mustering itself into a spear, it launches itself towards Sister Solstice. Tendril's already reaching out to take a hold of her. And then we hear... And then we see a text box. Watch out! You hear some hands press against your back, push you out of the way as Hives pushes you aside. And this wave of miasma hits him bodily. We see him lifted into the air, the darkness swirling around him. It goes into his mouth, his ears, his eyes. We see blood start to come down from him as he screams as Harbinger chooses its new host. No! We turn the page and we see a new scene. We see New York City. A cloudy sky overhead. And we hear some alarms start to go off. And through the clouds, we see a V-shaped jet start to dip out of the clouds, preparing its attack run on New York City. I will now remind all the heroes. You have two objectives here. One is obviously to defeat the Harbinger, but the other is to somehow frustrate the German efforts to bomb New York City. You cannot do both of them at the same time. You will have to split up. So as the Harbinger of Darkness is swirling around Hives, conforming him, contorting him into what it will have him be, there's like this billowing wind that's pushing you away from him, all of this debris flying around in the air. And I think at that moment, you also remember, oh yeah, there is a bomber coming for New York City. What are y'all doing? I mean, unless there's a jet, I feel like I'm stuck here. I'm probably the only one fast enough to get to New York. You're not that fast. Well, then what are we supposed to do? <laughs> you do have a person on your team who can teleport. Oh, that's oh yeah. And Sister Solstice, you know that you have a somewhere so you got the the annals from the uh, autumn coven and somewhere in there is how to seal away this thing so you can seal away the harbinger thing it's the way that i see it actually yeah the way i see it 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 should and kind of has to be me and sister solstice at, at the very least yeah so i've got an idea here um Sister Solstice opens a portal and teleports me, uh, Dr. Fusion, Crystal Gazer, and Geiger Gwyn. And then Omission, Doc, or Omission um, Torchbearer, and Sister Solstice handle Harbinger. Let's roll. Is everybody okay with that? I'm okay with it. I'm just scared. Yes. What's the worst that could happen? We're all in, we're all in one against this thing. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, so um, things are whipping all around you. Uh, Hives is screaming in the air above you as a harbinger's taking over him. Uh, what are y'all doing? Someone's got to take care of New York. Torch, throw me the mask. She says it's through the mind. Just without an answer, he just throws it back to her. She, um, like, it's coming. She's not quite aimed up for it, but she, like, levitates it down to herself. 
and then looks over uh, at Sister Solstice. Send us to New York, baby girl. Are you sure? Yeah, someone's gotta go. She looks at um, the rest of you. Who's coming? Uh, Gwen looks up at Torch right in his eyes and she goes, I trust you. I trust you too. Be careful. Stay safe. You know me? I'm always safe. Gwen. I love you. You are... the best thing that's ever happened in my life. Keep being you. No matter what happens. You're the sunshine. Okay. Uh, so, Sister Solstice, you are opening up a portal. This is still not a power you have listed in your power profile, so you have to roll a push to do it. <laughs> push this. Come on, GM. Love it, or we can't actually do this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's... Oh, it'll happen. It just might not happen pretty. While she's doing that roll, uh, Doc is just going to look over uh, at her and at Gwen and at Crystal Gazer. You'll need someone who knows the technology. Try to land us on the plane. Okay. Sister Solstice, what'd you roll for your push? That would be a six. Okay. You fail. Burn a bot, burn a bot. But you open a portal. So the way these portals have... Don't go to New York! (laughs) The way these portals have been described as working is um, that you, like, open a door Mm -hmm. and it leads to somewhere else. Yes. So... You are on the White House lawn. Where do you run to open a door? Do you run back into the White House? Do you run to, like, a car door? Do you run to, like, one of the buildings lining Pennsylvania Avenue? I think I run to one of the gates. Ooh, interesting. Mm. Okay. Because we're, like, out on the lawn, so I'm going to run to the nearest gate. Yeah. And open it. Okay. So you see Sister Solstice grab this door. Um, Do you have to do any, like, spell uh, or anything like do we see you do any magic to do um it? you see her like kind of chanting low under her like under her breath okay okay and you open that up and i think as she opens the gate up like through the gate is a swirling vortex of energy uh you do not see where it leads but do you rush through uh, yeah yeah i mean <laughs> i don't want to okay one by one you disappear into the energy and then the spell completes and it closes we'll see where y'all end up in a second but first (laughs) I did it (laughs) but first uh, Sister Solstice uh, you have had this book for the past few days so I assume you have been reading it uh, feverishly feverishly to find out how to do this ritual Uh, and so I would now like to turn to the players to crowdsource some questions. Here's the first question. What is required? Like, what component is required for Sister Solstice to do this spell? The heart at the center of the shadow. Ooh, the fingernails of a hero. A dirt from hollowed ground. An unripe green peach. (laughs) It's life. It's life magic. I love it. <laughs> well, you know, 
What? That's fair, that's fair. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh the component that Sister Solstice needs to do the spell is dirt from hollow ground. I won. <laughs> <laughs> I was oh man, He's I don't know. Favorite. I don't know. I really liked heart the heart from the what how did you word it, Occam? Oh, the heart at the center of the shadow. I like the ambiguity of that uh, because it gives us a lot of story capability. So the component Sister Solstice will need is the heart at the center of the shadow. Ha! I win. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Stole it from me. Okay, second question. What kind of toll will this ritual take on the caster? And since I chose Occam's answer, they cannot answer this one. Somebody else. You cannot type your suggestion in the chat. I'm going to. You just can't pick it. You can't pick it, which makes it worse for you. <laughs> Maybe, like, the willpower to to not... I guess the willpower to silence the negative thoughts in your head, so... Maybe the power to ever do this again. Maybe the ability to create. Oh. So... I mean, it could be things like she can't create, I don't mean like portals. I mean, like maybe it's life. Maybe it takes her ability to give, to, to create life. Like, and that's like her whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Okay. It could also leave her, I mean, if you want to be super like dramatic about it, leave her it could also leave her sterile. Yeah. Like where that she can't give That is 100%. Yeah. yeah, that's 100% where my mind also went. Yeah. Okay, I, I love that. I love the ambiguity there as well. So yeah. the toll on Sister Solstice will be her ability to create life. And uh, I will provide the last ingredient for this spell, which is that Torchbearer will have to give up his own life force to the light so that it can use its pow- er, his life force to seal away the darkness. Where do I sign? <laughs> where do I sign Uh, you open that gate you close it you turn back you see hives coiling in pain in the air above you Uh, you see torchbearer you can see a strange person with a gun in the distance oh no what happened what I do (laughs) what have you done Right here at the end. But in the end, at the end of all doesn't things. even matter. What the fuck happened, y'all? <laughs> <laughs> you started playing with powers you know nothing about, David. That's, <laughs> That's true. That's just true. <laughs> really did. The Harbinger has enacted its toll. Wait, okay, so all of these components that are needed for this portal, are we all aware of it? Or do it's we not for the no portal. Idea? No, this was not for the portal. This is for the ritual to seal away Harbinger. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Oh, okay. I don't think any of us know. Yes, yes, either. yes. Yeah, no. She she is the only one who has learned all this. She has yet to say anything about it. Um, but you uh, you turn, you see Torchbearer. Um, you see uh, a strange man in the window with a gun uh, of the White House. Um, you can feel the weight of your spell book in your satchel you know it re- what it will require of you you know what it will require of torchbearer and you know what you need to do the spell do you say anything 
Yes. Um, uh, she is going to... I wish I could do a flashback. Um, what would your flashback be? Torch and Sister Solstice having a conversation on the train. I think... A hundred percent. Let's do that scene right now. Uh, so I think Come you and down. Torchbearer like lock eyes with each other, and mm-hmm. I think you both nod. Mm-hmm. We turn the page to a few days earlier on the train with you both flipping through this book. I like the idea that like you have not found out what the cost will be, mm-hmm. and y'all are about to find out together. But you have the spell book, the Autumn Coven laid before you. You and Torchbearer are sitting in one of those booths in the dining car. The other heroes are somewhere else. Mm-hmm. What's happening? So, it looks like my part is to actually cast. But it's going to require your, your life force. Okay. I'll give it all I've got. I've never done anything like this before. That makes two of us. Are you sure you're willing to to do this? I have to. I was afraid you'd say that. At least there's hope. If if we can give this world a bit more of that than it had before, then worth any cost. Sister Solstice nods, and then I think you just see us sitting there with the weight of the world on our shoulders. Okay. And then we're back in the present at the White House. Uh, The darkness latches on bodily to Hives. He comes crashing to the ground. It surrounds him like a mantle. You see all these shapes and figures and claws moving around within the void and Hives looks at the two of you and smiles and it's his voice but it's distorted it's not the same but Hive says well, shall we get started then and we turn the page to the three of you coming out of the portal there is confusion where you go to step there is nothing You're coiling, falling, twisting around each other. It's wet. You're you're bumping into each other, colliding. And then you come out of the cloud that you appeared in. You see New York City, Manhattan, stretched out beneath you. And you hear the roar of the jet swiftly approaching. A few hundred feet down from where you are. And in the bottom corner of this panel, we see the words, to be concluded, Mm. end of episode. Oh, man. Oh, God, I'm so excited. Oh, my God. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Tales to Inspire. We will be back with our last episode of season one on September 4th. If you have social media, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Like and follow us at Misconceptions Pod for up-to-date information about the show, behind-the-scenes pictures, and just to show us your general positive feelings about the show. 
We also have a Discord. You can click the link below to join our Discord so that you can chat with other friends of the show and chat with other cast members directly. We also have an email. If you'd like to contact us that way, you can email us at misconceptionspod at gmail.com. This show is fully supported by the generous monthly donations of our patrons on Patreon. If you'd like to join that elite group of supporters and gain access to exclusive content, please consider joining our Patreon. The Tells to Inspire theme song was composed by Esteban Del Pino. You can find out more about his music on fiverr.com slash IAM underscore W-A-K-E. Omission was played by Mitchell Wallace, who can be found at Mitch Bustillos on Twitter. Crystal Gazer was played by Marlo Bogus, who can be found at Marlo Bogwich on Twitter. Torchbearer was played by Phil Montgomery, who can be found at BMC Philanthropy on Twitter. Geiger Gwyn was played by Christy Scheidemantle, who can be found at Polish Christy on Twitter. Dr. Fusion was played by Occam Razor, who can be found at Occam Sockam Robo on Twitter. Sister Solstice was played by Carrie White, who hates Twitter and refuses to get one. And I'm David White, your editor-in-chief. You can find me at Mr. Banana Socks on Twitter. The role-playing game system used in this production was a modified version of the Worlds in Peril role-playing game by Sam Joko Publishing, featuring elements from the Avatar Legends role-playing game and Masks a New Generation role-playing game, both by Magpie Games. Tales to Inspire is a product of the Misconceptions Podcast Network. Find out more about our other shows and buy cool merch at misconceptionspod.com. And that's it for this week's episode of Tales to Inspire. Thank you so much for listening, and keep it nerdy, y'all.